Welcome back to the State of Education with Melvin Adams. In this episode, Melvin and Shelley Norden conclude their interview by discussing the challenges teachers face with disciplining their students, the rise of protesting during school hours, and the ever-changing demands of incorporating culturally responsive teaching into their lessons. So as I'm listening to this, I'm, I'm going to listen for a little bit and respond as, as a parent, try to be a, a voice for a parent, okay? And a parents that might be listening to this, and, you know, some might be like in disbelief, and surely this is not happening in my school or in my state or whatever. Um, do you have anything to say to them? First of all, is this something that's just kind of unique here and there? Or do you believe this is kind of across the country that this this system is kind of uh, getting put out into our into our schools? That's the first question I have. And the second is, if a parent is concerned about that, what as a person who's been a teacher, been a part of that system, uh, what can parents do to make a difference? Okay. Um, the first question, is it happening? I, I think it's happening everywhere. In Virginia, it really started to happen in 2017. Um, that, that's when the big push we started to see kind of came through. I, I think that we were a little bit late to the game because I know that there were surrounding states and I, I've spoken to teachers in, in other states who were experiencing that experiencing and going through all this stuff before we were going through it. But when the VDOE, right. the Virginia Department of Education, got involved and started changing things like the um, the social studies strand, um, the, the requirements for teachers to get, you know, at the end of the year when they're being observed, now you've got cultural, they use all these acronyms and they all get, you know, jumbled up, but it's um, cultural culturally responsive teaching, I think is what they're referring to it as. And that's part of your evaluation at the end of the year. And if you look through it, it's, you know, again, it's, it's very telling. Um, As far as what parents can do, keep your eyes open. What are your kids bringing home? What are the, talk to them. What are the assignments that they're working on? Um, Talk to the parents if there, if there's a, or I mean, to the teacher, if there's an issue with an assignment, or you've got a question about an assignment, contact the teacher. You know, if you don't get anywhere with that, contact your principal. I would say go to school board meetings. But what I'm finding is that the Virginia Association of School Boards, wait, Virginia, another acronym, but it's, you know, it's a group that they're part of. Every single school board member in Virginia is trained by this group and they're lobbyists. They're nothing more than lobbyists. And they're teaching them that their job is to support or hire a superintendent pass his budget and support his or and pass his policies, essentially. So taxpayers are kind of left out of the loop. So there's nobody that's supporting people who are, are, are trying to fight this. Yeah, well, let me respond to that. Uh, certainly, you know, there is a Virginia School Board Association. Um, and, you know, that has always been kind of the premier, primary voice uh of organizing and training and equipping school board members. Um, But uh, you're, you're correct. You know, uh, that organization along with uh, the teachers unions and the association of superintendents and so forth, uh, you know, they're all working collaboratively 
Uh, and to some extent, I would say, you know, they need to work collaboratively because they're all working kind of within the same system. Uh, the problem is, is when when there's a collaboration uh, to advance concepts that uh, are revolutionary to our schools, but, you know, the verdict is out, uh, you know, as, you know, they're supposedly bringing reform that's supposedly be making better schools and better uh, education systems and more quali- quality uh, graduates and so forth. But I think what we're seeing is they're bringing around reform in all kinds of ways, <clears throat> but we are not really seeing an increase in outcomes. We're seeing, you know, a decline overall in student outcomes. <clears throat> and that's what's most concerning. And so obviously, you know, that's why we're seeing in recent uh, years, last year particularly, excuse me, where, you know, many parents have been challenging school boards and over issues and where many school board members have been challenged at the ballot box um, and a good number have been replaced. And so, um, you know, of course, the Association of uh, School Board Members you know, continues to be a place for them to get knowledge and understanding. But there are other entities that are stepping up and trying to create alternatives uh, so that so that folk can get um, other ideas as well and not just those that are given to them. Because at the end of the day, I think this is what most communities want. They want their representatives, their supervisors, and their school board members to represent them, to make sure that those schools are, in fact, uh, producing the best kind of education that the families and the communities need and want. And, um, you know, and so actually, No Webster Educational Foundation had a, a education summit for school board members. Uh, particularly newly elected school board members. We had that not long ago, and uh, we intend to do more of those, uh, not only here, but across the country, uh, to help to resource them, not, uh, you know, because there are many, many issues that are involved in giving guidance and leadership to a school. And, you know, we are not so much, we are not in need of woke concepts. What we are need in need of is for our leaders to get back to the business of really providing quality education with accountability to our students so that when students graduate, they have skills necessary not only to go into higher learning, but also so that they can take on quality jobs and, you know, get get employment and actually become a productive part of the local workforce. Uh, that's what communities want. That's what people need in order to become established in, as an individual and uh, start their own, you know, their own livelihoods and, and become an independent, productive citizen. So there are things, yes, you're right, that there are, uh, you know, that that association is the predominant uh voice and focus into most school board uh, members and meetings. Uh, But there are some things that are taking place to help give some alternatives 
for for school board members to consider, and they should. That's great. It's definitely much needed. Um, I'll also add that in 2017, in the, the video that I shared earlier, the superintendent references that when he went to his um, his leadership training in the summer, which is through VAS, the Superintendent Association, that that's when this conversation started. So mm. what I'm inferring from his remarks at that convocation is when that that VAS presented this to all the superintendents in Virginia in 2017. And that's why we started to see that push into our schools at that time. Sure. Well, here's the thing that's sad to me. This is not about education. This is about political ideology. And, you know, sadly, our schools are becoming just another place where politics is playing out uh, and, you know, and it not, it ought not be. I don't think any parent out there wants our school. We don't want our schools, you know, teaching uh, our kids while well, they, they should know about morals and ethics and, you know, concepts of faith and all that kind of stuff. That's an important part of our society, part of our communities, part of our lives. We need those schools to be giving support and credence to the things that our communities uphold. Uh, we don't want them teaching religion unless it is a religious school, but our public schools, we're, we're not wanting them to be disciples for religious entities. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, we don't want them to be deci making disciples politically either. And we've been seeing that for years. And uh, so there's a very strong agenda that's been going on in our school system and uh, systems across the country. Uh, and we've got to get that stuff out of our systems, out of that's our another thing that I'll add. That's yet another thing that I saw with, um, sure. with equity. The end goal is for them to become essentially social justice warriors. So yeah. prior to 2018, I had never seen a student protest during the instructional day. In 2018, our superintendent actually helped organize a, a student protest, a walkout. So that that was brand new. I mean, before that had never mm. happened before. If any if anybody had done that, they would have been reprimanded. You know, there would have been consequences. Sure. That following year in 2019, he took 200 teachers to Richmond. Um, to protest. And that was all part of the VEA situation that read for Ed, but mm -hmm. we paid for subs. You know, again, it was during the instructional day, not in their own time. So it's one thing if you want to do that on your own time and that's, you know, you, you can do what you want to do, but to take that money, it's taxpayer money that they're, you know, they're sending them down there with on buses. We're paying for that. Yeah. So I saw this shift to activism taking place during the instructional day that didn't happen before. So that was another, you know, another change that, mm -hmm. that I've noticed recently. What other things are you seeing? Well, I, I left last year, but I, what I'm hearing now is, and I, in fact, I just did a video on this. There's something called PBIS, another acronym. Uh, are you familiar with it? Mm -hmm. It's Go ahead, Positive Behavior us. Intervention Strategy. So basically they're rewarding kids for, if a teacher is, is 
in a classroom and, you know, you've got kids that are typically disruptive, the teacher will say, okay, if I can get through this lesson without you guys, you know, cursing, I'll give you the last 10 minutes to do whatever you want. So it's, it's a reward-based system rather than a punishment-based system. So rather than punishing those kids that are, are using the disruptive language or bad, you know, she, she's dangling this carrot to reward everybody if they you know, kind of do, do what they're supposed to be doing, essentially. So what's happening now is that there are all kinds of discipline problems happening in the school systems because there are no consequences for the actions. And so I started to kind of do a deep dive into the PBIS. And again, it all goes back into CRT. It's just one more element of CRT. So that, that's a big one. I, there are a lot of, I'm getting, I mean, seeing fight videos every day, pretty much in schools. And I think that that's a big part of the problem. So you said that uh, you left last year and uh, you're aware of a number of, you know, okay, so the, your system has been short 50 teachers this year. Uh, mm-hmm. And you're aware that additional teachers are leaving the system. Did I hear you say that? Yes. Yeah. 31 already put in their resignations in February, which is extremely high for that time of year. Normally when people leave, it's March, April, May, you know, that's when they start to resign or put in their resignations. So, yeah. So are these folk that are, is this what natural attrition, people retiring and that type of thing, or is it just people said, I've had enough, I'm going to go do something else? People, for the most part, it's people who have had enough and are going to go do something else. Now, a lot of people are attributing it to the behavior issues that are happening in the schools. So Mm -hmm. there are teachers that are getting frustrated with that, you know, that the lack of consequences and the behavior is just getting worse. Yeah, it's sad because I I hear that all the time from I, I meet people all the time who have just recently quit, uh, you know, and we're not producing enough educators um, and there's just a shortage in our schools. Um, what would you say to school board members? Somebody, you know, you've worked in the schools, uh, you, you know, you quit for a reason. Um, so if there are school board members who are listening, it doesn't matter if they're from Virginia or from some other state, um, as a teacher, uh, are you, you, you're a parent, do you have children in school? I have a grown daughter. She's, she's out of school now. Okay. But, okay. So you can speak as somebody who was a teacher, um, and perhaps as a parent as well, but you know, what would you say to school board members? What are things that they need to be looking for? What are concerns that you would express to them? Uh, and encourage them in order to to turn turn things around and get us headed in the right direction. Well, the first thing, um, and, and in fact, I've been contacted by quite a few teachers with more conservative values throughout the, or not uh, school board members. I'm sorry, um, throughout the Commonwealth, who have said, you know, that they're basically bullied into to being quiet. So mm-hmm. I, the first thing I think that honestly needs to happen is they need outside training. Like they, they should not all be trained by the Virginia School Board Association. They need to get training elsewhere that really explains what their job is. And that's to uphold the Constitution. 
So that that would be number one, you know, move away that the Virginia School Board Association is not the end all be all get training elsewhere because it's it's taking them away from doing the job that taxpayers expect them to do. So that that would be the main thing. And two, I mean, let people know what's going on in your schools. For so long, things have just kind of flown under the radar because people that are in these elected positions, they, they don't once they get into those spots, there's no communication. There's no two way conversation with their constituents. So it's really uh, Tim Anderson out of Richmond. Is, he's fantastic. I mean, he's constantly putting stuff out there, letting people know what's happening. You know, this is what we're voting on now. So if you want people involved and engaged, part of that falls on you to let them know because you've got a front row seat to what's happening. So, so let right. constituents know what's going on. What should be, what do we need to be looking for? What can we do if you're getting a lot of pushback from other members of the school board, because you know, you're on an opposing side on an issue, talk to people, what can we do to help you, you know, move that forward? I just think that the mm-hmm. communication is huge. Um, transparency, that lack of transparency, that that's been a huge problem for years. And I think that school board members really, once they're in those positions, you know, you put out a weekly letter letting people know what's going on. What are the big issues that you guys are addressing right now? Solicit right. some input because we've got a lot of bright people that live in this community. You know, why, why aren't you asking them for help or for suggestions on how to, to clean up this mess that we've created in the past five years? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do you have some other things you'd like to share with us? I would like for people to kind of wake up to what's happening in the community and and start, you know, writing letters to the editor. I mean, start start doing something to fix it because it didn't get here overnight. It's not going to go away overnight, but it's going to right. take all of us, I think, to fix what's happening. Thank you, Shelley. That's that's important. People need to get involved. That people need to become active. Uh, if we just try to ignore it, pretend like it's not there. Um, you know, maybe we haven't checked it out. Maybe people say, well, I don't know if that's going on. Well, they need to find out because it's, if it is going on in their school, um, then their child, their community ultimately is going to suffer because of it. And, you know, when there is stuff like this going on, it is absolutely critical. And, you know, we usually talk about parents, but I'm going to just say citizens because uh, you know taxpayers the bottom line is the whole community uh, puts investment into our schools i mean in almost every community the number one budget item in any county and in many cities is the school system it is the biggest drain on our budget is it worth investing in? Absolutely, if it's quality education. But if it isn't quality education, then we need to step up and get involved, get engaged, and make sure that the people who represent us are representing us appropriately and making sure that our schools are, in fact, um, really doing what we expect our schools to do, and that is to provide our children, our grandchildren, uh, a quality education that helps them to think, that prepares them for life, and, uh, and, and, and helps teach them, you know, just give them a good moral upbringing 
uh, along with the community that this, our schools should be helping to reinforce these concepts, not to destroy them. And uh, too often that is the case as well. So, yeah. And I, well, another thing I think that could change the board of supervisors, they control, you know, they, they handle the purse strings. Um, they, they ought to be requiring the school systems to, right now. They just submit a budget proposal. It's very broad. There's you, you can look at that and you have no clue where your tax dollars are going. And then there's no follow up as to how the money was actually spent. So one thing the board of supervisors could do is require them to it's 2022. There's no reason we can't you know, we shouldn't be able to open a document and see where all of our money is going at this mm-hmm. point. So that's one thing that I'd love to see the board of supervisors or the the. I know people have different city councils. Yeah. City councils. That's one thing that I'd love to see all of them do to kind of help clean up some of this as well. Well, Shelly, it's been an interesting conversation. Uh, You certainly have uh, had some personal experience in in that space. Um, We've talked to numbers of folk like you who have had those challenges. And unfortunately, uh, it just got so bad, like with you, that you just had to leave. Uh, you couldn't be a part of it anymore. Well, I'll, one thing I did not add, but when I, the, the first thing that happened after I started commenting on the deep equity, um, one of the people running that deep equity was not happy that I was speaking out against it. She ended up filing a complaint against me. And that's when I was escorted out of my school taken out of all of my journalism programs and they put a brand new teacher in there with no journalism background and, and moved me to another school. I mean, it just didn't, it, it made no sense. You know, what, so that was, and then ultimately ended up leaving after I was put at the other school and taken out of all my programs. But Well, I'm sorry for that negative experience, but thank you for uh, the effort that you made while you were teaching and for what you're trying to do now to help uh, our citizens and our communities understand some of the things that are going on uh, so that they can be a part of the solution. Uh, here's the reality. Um, things don't just get fixed by themselves. Things get fixed when people band together, uh, find out what's really going on, and then come together to get those things fixed and, and demand that people are held accountable and uh, and that those uh, issues are corrected. And that's that's what, as Noah Webster Educational Foundation, one of our purposes is to inform, inform citizens so that they have uh, good knowledge. Uh, we do a lot of things, our, our blogs are, you know, and we try to be solutions based. It's one thing to curse the darkness, but if you don't have a solution, then, you know, people lose hope. Uh, There is always hope. We're a great country, great communities, great people, but we have to come together and we can't just let uh, these negative, uh, harmful influences just override our our systems and our cultures and uh, ultimately destroy us um, because... It, it just we can't let it happen so thank you for sharing your voice today Shelly and uh, 
do you have a, a website or a page or anything if people want to contact you? Um, I Yes, on social media, on Facebook, it's called Fauquier Tabs, T-A-B-S, and it's Taxpayers Advocating for Better Schools. Okay, Fauquier Tabs on Facebook. Thanks for listening. Here at the Noah Webster Educational Foundation, we provide relevant conversations to educate and encourage you to engage with your local government and school system. Join the conversation today on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or visit our website at www.nwef.org. We'll see you next time on The State of Education with Melvin Adams.